Hey guys, welcome to this week's episode of the Top Producing Zone podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Michael Jin. And I'm your co-host, Shane Carvalho. So Shane and I have been looking forward to this week's podcast guest for a very long time. He has 82,000 subscribers on YouTube, the number one personal attractor at EXP Realty globally. He's founder of the mighty Wolfpack organization at EXP with 1,800 agents and counting. And he has helped thousands of real estate agents grow and scale their business using social media. I'm talking about none other, none other than Mike Sherrard. Mike, thanks so much for taking the time to chat with us today. Yeah, thank you, man. Thanks for the introduction. I'm super excited to be here. Obviously, being partners, we're on this incredible journey together. And, you know, I, I just can't wait to dive in with you guys. Love it. And, and Mike, you know, like our podcast is focused on helping agents who are in the production business kind of take their business to the next level. And we love to have guests like you on because you obviously have taken multiple businesses to atmospheric levels. And a lot of that is, you know, Shane and I both know it's due to your tremendous discipline and work ethic. So we just want to dig in on that topic more with you today. Yeah, I think that's, you know, one of the things that a lot of people, you know, don't quite understand is they're always looking for the next tip, the next strategy, the next tool, and not looking at the root of the cause. And I think it's going to be great to, to be able to dive into that, unpack what people need to hear, not always what they want to hear, not always what they're searching for, but yep. what they truly need to hear in order to execute at a higher level. No, absolutely. And like you mentioned, like everyone wishes we could become overnight successes, right? And you see people on Instagram like yourself and you're like, oh, I want to get there but they don't realize how much time and work it took to get there. So maybe we start off with how did you first get started down this path to building, you know, the successful business that you have today? Yeah, it's a, it's a great question. And I think, you know, stemming from where I grew up in a small town of 12,000 people, I always wanted more, but I never saw it around me. And, you know, you're conditioned to climb the corporate ladder My every single guy on my dad's side of the family are engineers, right? So, you know, you're used to this very familiar kind of concept of where you're going to go in life. And when I moved out to Calgary to be an engineer, um, you know, I started seeing 30 year olds driving around in exotic cars saying, what are they doing? You know, why? How am I seeing this? How are they achieving that? Usually you think of somebody achieving this wealth, they're in their 50s or their 60s, or, you know, they put a whole lifetime into this. And that's when I started realizing when I looked around the parking lot of my engineering office and the general manager, you know, wasn't even in that position. That meant the highest position would even get me to where I wanted to be. So for me, you know, around that time, I was buying my first house uh, with a friend and I started realizing typical story that the agents didn't do a very good job. And, and I never wanted to be a realtor. But what I knew is that in order to be successful in business, you need to understand marketing, branding, and sales or communication. And for me, looking at real estate, it's the lowest barrier to entry to be able to get tactical experience learning those tools to say, okay, you want to do a startup, you want to do this, that, and the other thing, you could go do it once you have those skills. And I fell in love with it. So for me, a lot of people kind of ask, you know, how did I get to this point so quickly? And I think it's all about condensing time. For me, you know, I've worked 16 to 18 hours a day, every single day, seven days a week for the last five years. Well, that's basically 10 to 12, even 15 years of the average person's normal work ethic 
I just condensed it because I said, you know, one day family is the most important thing to me. I want to start a family. I want to have kids. I want to be able to travel. So while I don't have all of these obligations and these financial burdens and stressors, let's buckle down. Let's get to it and let's go. Right. So for me, it was kind of just how can I accelerate my growth curve? But there's so much we can unpack in terms of the overnight success. And one of the things that I'm most proud of, I don't say I'm proud of a lot, but, you know, taking the concept of when I bought my Lamborghini, for for example, the general sense of the average person when you see somebody on social media buy an exotic car is you're lucky, your parents, overnight success, hit the jackpot, won the lottery, whatever the situation is. One of the things that I'm most proud of is that from day one, I got my license February 1st of 2017, I documented my entire journey, right? I posted, you can go back still to this day on Instagram and see me door knocking. You can see me handing out flyers. You can see me hosting, you know, networking events where six people would show up and four of them were my friends just to support. So the fact that I did that, it was really cool because I never had anybody say that I was an overnight success or even jump to that conclusion because the coolest thing, guys, is I literally had people commenting and sending me DMs when I got my Lamborghini saying, Mike, I felt like I was taking possession of that car because I've followed your journey from day one. And I know what you put into this. And I felt like it was an accomplishment just watching you. And I think that was one of the most rewarding things is to bring people on that journey because I never wanted people to discount the effort that it took to get here. You know what, Mike, actually, and I, I love that story. Well, Really quick, just a wisecrack. I got two mic engineers on with me. I feel so out of place. This is probably gonna be the quietest I've ever been on a conversation. But no, what I was gonna say though is that, you know, and I had this conversation last week. What I love is that we come from humble beginnings, like no wealth, no, you know, people wonder, oh, you do luxury and everything. I, I had a couple agents that, you know, new agents that just got to know me that I was trying to explain to them that, I mean, I grew up poor. My parents are immigrants. Like, you know, my average price point when I started in the business was $200,000. Like, they're all your luxury agent stuff. I know the luxury agents in the Bay Area whose mom and dad lived in the neighborhood and their house is worth $5 million. And these kids, I mean, and I went through this when I worked over the hill. These like young 20-year-olds coming in and selling $5 million houses while I'm selling like four $1 million houses. And I've been doing it for 20 years, you know. So I really appreciate that about you because people can actually follow, be like, I can really do this. And the fact you documented it. It's doable. One other thing I didn't get a chance to mention earlier, because believe it or not, you guys didn't give me a chance to get this in, but it's <laughs> today more than ever, like people with social media and everything else, that whole overnight success or that instant gratification, it's never been so like prominent like it is now. A lot of the newer agents think that it has to happen overnight and they're not willing to put in the work. A guy like me that's been doing it for over 20 years, I know what it takes. And that's one thing I told Michael that I really admire about you is that dedication and that persistence and that hard work hardly anyone's willing to put in the freaking work today and it pisses me off yeah well and, and mike i i also kind of appreciate you sharing your background and story a little bit well like shane mentioned like i'm an engineer we're both we started in engineering we can both relate but i think there's <laughs> there there is that but i mean i i think it's interesting because I hear you share about your story and I reflect on my own. Like my parents were immigrants. I immigrated here from China when I was young. I mean, they started off with like a couple of dollars in their pocket when they first came here. You know, my mom started me off on violin lessons because she wanted me to learn the violin and she was scrounging up 25 cents to pay for my lessons. And it's interesting because, you know, I grew up and I can count myself very blessed because I have gone through that corporate route. 
But I think I also, as I'm reflecting back now, like similar to you, like I felt like that was the only lane I saw myself in until I started exploring, like how, until I found you on YouTube, seeing your story, seeing other people's stories out there. And it's like, oh, wait, there's more to this than, you know, the nine to five, climbing the corporate ladder, getting really, you know, nowhere after 40 years. Um, and you can be successful today if you're willing to kind of open your mindset, explore other avenues like real estate and put in the time and dedication to it. Yeah. Well, and I think the last thing I want to touch on related to this topic is, you know, two quick things, which is a lot of people, when I quit engineering, ask me, do you regret your degree? Like I took two degrees in, in three years, mechanical engineering and something called technology management and entrepreneurship. And okay. it, a lot of people said, like, do you regret that? And the quickest answer is no. Like when you look at engineering, a lot of people will see how I operate when it comes to YouTube or building yeah. my brand or, or social media or anything. And they'll see that I'm very systematic. I'm very process driven. And I look at things from like a workflow perspective and I create systems around anything. Well, that is an inherent skill set of what I learned as an engineer. Simultaneously to take two degrees in three years, two of the hardest degrees, I had to work, uh, learn time management because there was no way I could get through it if I didn't. And then the last thing is when I left engineering, I had a lot of people say two things. The first positive, the second, I'd love to kind of unpack. The positive thing was I had so many people in their 40s and 50s saying, Mike, I'm so glad that at 24 years old, you're realizing that you feel like you have more potential or you can chase your own dreams. I wish I did this back when I was your age, but now I've got the kids, the mortgage, the family, the, the kind of dependency, and I don't feel comfortable doing it. But on the other hand, a lot of people would say, well, Mike, at least if it doesn't work out, you've still got engineering, you've still got your degree. And I think that where that's where a lot of people go wrong, because for me, when I walked out that door, the bridge was burnt. I was never turning back. There was no plan B. Like there was no fallback plan. My engineering degree was burned, thrown in the fire pit. It was done, right? So I think that's the mentality when you're going from corporate to um, entrepreneurship you need to have is say, I will make this work come hell or high water. I need to do it. And that mentality made sure that I, you know, never sort of became complacent knowing that there was an alternative. And I, I've told my parents this, I've told many of my friends this, my mentality when I got into business was I'm either going to be worth a hundred million dollars or I'm going to be on the street. There is no in between, right? I'm, go, I'm go and because on, Love exactly. It. And I think that mentality, because I've been able to bet on myself with some of the principles that we'll unpack on this discussion is that I've always been able to take on pretty significant risk because I can always bet on myself to figure it out. Well, I love the no plan B, you know, because that, that gives people too much complacency. And the other thing you're mentioning, too, about doing it younger, not having kids, because even now, like we have, you know, and you know this, we have agents that want to cross over, but they have kids, they're married, they have a mortgage, you know, to flip over to commission based. It's so I, I like how you did that. I totally am 100 percent in agreement. And I agree also on not having regrets, especially for you guys, your degrees and your one thing I admire, like even Michael, his time management. You know, like just in his efficiency dominates. I mean, obviously I have my own skill set that has its own value, but if you could like put me, you and Michael together, that's like, it'd be like superhuman, right? Because we all have those different traits. So no, I, I, I like that about engineering, but I think in general, just also knowing that that wasn't the route you were going to go. If you hadn't tried it, there'd always be that doubt or your parents would have been like, well, if you had just gotten that degree, 
you know, but it's like you kind of eliminated all that stuff from day one. But uh, anyway, we'll pass it back to you. So, so Mike, let's let's start unpacking some things. You kind of mentioned a little bit about what drove you to kind of go down this path of entrepreneurship. And like, so to has that changed today? Like, what would you say are the top things that drive you today on a daily basis that makes you want to continue to that grind? Yeah, there's only two things. It's it hasn't changed and, and genuinely it never will change. And so for me, the first is always family. Family comes over everything, right? So there was kind of my current situation and then my desired situation. So the current situation is I had parents that again, you know, came from very humble beginnings and, and that's how I grew up and, and they didn't have much, but they gave us everything that they could. And, you know, I always wanted to give back to them so that I could show them that they, you know, raised somebody the right way. And to be able to retire them, be able to buy, you know, my dad is dream supercar. My mom, um, you know, they're still, they're obviously together, but you know, their vacation house in Tuscany that they've always dreamed of. And, you know, that is a sense of fulfillment for me. And I've been able to do that with taking them on first class trips to Hawaii and things like that. But then, you know, so family was, was a driver and also my future family, like, you know, being, you know, somebody that wants to have kids and wants to build that, having, you know, my girlfriend and, and eventually you build, you know, a family with that. I want to make sure that whenever it gets to the point where I have kids, money and time is never an issue. I never want to not spend time with them. I never want to worry about, can I take six weeks off of vacation time? And can I even afford to go here? And when we go there, do we have to pick and choose what's on the menu at dinner? Because we can only have one cocktail and one steak, but not the appetizer. Like I never wanted to be in that position, right? So I put put in the work now, but genuinely the number one motivator for me is I want to prove what I'm capable of to myself. And there's a lot of people that get caught up in competition. They get caught up in looking what other people are doing. And for me, I couldn't care less what other people are doing, what they've achieved or what they have as their potential. For me, I know I could build a nine-figure business. I know I can build something that impacts thousands of lives. I'm doing this to prove to myself what I'm capable of, not to prove to other people, not to compete and one-up somebody I just want to know that by the end of the day, when all is said and done, I emptied the tank. Has that always been a mindset that you've had in terms of like not really caring about what other people think or what they react to, like the content you that you put out? Because, you know, if I think about a lot of people out there, that's that's a hard mindset to have. It is. And I think it was a bit of an evolution. I think yeah. when you come into entrepreneurship, especially as somebody that's hungry and driven, you basically just want to kick everybody's ass, right? And you, you've got your hit list and you're looking at everybody else and you want to destroy them. And but, but then you realize that that's not fulfilling. And you also realize that that never will give you a sense of accomplishment because there's always going to be more and it's always distracting you from doing what you need to do, right? So for me, it got to the point where through self-development so we could talk about coaches and things like that, but it got to the point where I said, okay, there's something that has to be deeper and that why is never going to succumb to just looking at what other people are doing and trying to outdo them because you'll, you'll eventually outdo them. Then what, right? Then what do you have to lean on as a motivator? Nothing. So I think it's really important to have something that is, is a lifetime motivator instead of just looking something short term leading toward that instant gratification kind of perspective all too many people fall victim to. Yeah. And I think the other, the flip, the flip side of that coin is like, if you're always focused on somebody else, you could potentially start something and it's always very easy to give up because you can always feel discouraged because, hey, somebody's always better. But if you're kind of focused internally, you know kind of what your long-term aspirations are. 
that's something you can always keep your eye on. I have a I have a question though. So like for me, Mike, and you know, since you've known me for you know three years or so now, it's like I was always worried about what people thought like with getting myself on video. Like I resisted putting video out there. You have some of your like first videos and stuff out there. Like, I mean, honestly, did you not care at that point what people thought? Because like even for me with my success, that's really held me back. Like, and that's an area where you've like excelled. Yeah, dude, I cared a lot. Um, but I also had to realize and weigh out opportunity costs. It's like, do I care more about what people think or do I care more about being broke and building the life of my dreams? Right. And what I started realizing is, you know, I could either care about what people think or I could go retire my parents, give them the life they've always wanted and build my own life. And when you started looking at opportunity cost, so many people get in their own way and then years go by and they realize, wow, they, it gets more difficult the longer you prolong something because there's more competition. It weighs heavier. It's more of a burden. So for me, I just looked at that opportunity cost and said, well, damn, I was bullied in high school. I have low self-esteem. I have no confidence. I'm petrified of being in front of the camera. But all of those things, if I lean into them and make that the focal point, I will forever continue to be broke. And that was something I wasn't willing to succumb to. So I just looked at what is the alternative, right? Is a couple negative comments scarier than having to worry and being stressed, being paycheck to paycheck for the rest of your life. To me, that wasn't worth it. Wow. I didn't even, I've never even thought about it from that perspective. That's incredible. I mean, okay. I'm on video now just so you know, or <laughs> at least going that direction. I never thought about it like that. And that's like a savage mentality that I have, but I never equated those two things. That is so interesting because it is part of that journey. I can't believe I've never thought about it that way because because you're right. Once you do start doing it, like it's like, why haven't I been doing this already? Like, I'm so comfortable in that space and I know my shit, but it's like it's interesting that it's taken me. I'm 20 plus years into my career now, which you're like from day one. You're like because I mean, you know, like I roll like that. Go big or go home. Obviously, you roll like that. I'm extreme as hell. Like I so it's. But yeah, no, that's that's a nugget for me right there. So thanks. No, it, it is it is super helpful. Like I used to like su super worry about criticism. And I think, you know, I've slowly started to embrace this mentality of just not worrying about that. And it was funny, like now that Shane and I have gotten on video, I remember a while back there was a reel and somebody had commented. I, I was doing a reel about like my BMW X3 and then he made a comment about it. And, you know, in the past, I probably would have let it bother me. But this time around, I saw the, I looked at it and I, it was like, it was interesting because I kind of, I kind of smiled. And in my head, I was thinking like, and I responded back to him on YouTube saying, Hey, thanks so much for your engagement. Like, I really appreciate the fact that you took the time to engage with our content. It's actually helping our podcast. And it's interesting with how that mind shift will also kind of help you address the people out there if you, if you want to, or like, and when they criticize you, it, it, you kind of see it as an opportunity versus, you know, somebody hating on you. Yeah, dude. Well, like I just spoke at an event for my past brokerage a couple of weeks ago, and every single person said that I was the number one speaker at the event. But every single person would come up to me and said, Mike, I know all the Calgary agents say all you do is record videos and they make fun of you. But now I can see that when I look at what you've done in person, it's not what I was expecting. So even today, after thousands of videos, speaking on stage, building a multiple seven, probably eight figure business next year, I still have people saying stuff. The difference is they say it in privacy. 
So in the past, when you're getting started, they say it publicly. They'll comment it. Nobody will comment it now because my success is undeniable, right? So if you comment something and you look at what I've achieved through video, you look like an idiot, not me, right? Because it's undeniable what I've been able to do with it. So I think that's one of those things is that your people are going to say things no matter what. But I could tell you from experience that, yes, you can get a couple of negative comments when you get started on video, but the old, you've got two options not get on video and people are going to say something because you're broke or get on video and build momentum. And now people are going to say things in privacy because you're wealthy and they're jealous. I would rather have them take the jealous approach and build the business that I've always wanted by getting outside of your fears. And I think that is a habit that is important is always lean in. And, and what I look at is uh, you should view X or you should review, uh, view resistance as a trigger for excellence and execution, right? So when I, and when I feel resistance towards something, that is a trigger for executing because I know that that's a weakness and I want to fill in all the voids of my, all the holes in the bucket, right? So that's what I really look at these opportunities as is a, is a, the ability to go to that next level and break through new plateaus. I love that. Um, and I imagine like, as you've kind of gone on your journey, Mike, it hasn't always been smooth. Um, what would you say like are some of the top challenges you face so far and how did you overcome those? Yeah, it's, it's a great question. I think when we look at challenges, um, a lot of it was, was a lack of self-development. And I think when you start looking at where a lot of entrepreneurs go wrong, myself included, is that it all comes down to mindset, mental health, things like that. And you get the negative comments. And when you haven't worked on your, ments on your mental kind of um, strength, you let them get to you, right? And then you dial back and you go down a rabbit hole and you get sad. And, you know, all of these different things, I think that's one of the things that I made a mistake is I just jumped right in and I wasn't working on myself in the beginning. And that once I started investing into my business, investing into coaching, that's when things really took off. So I wish I did that earlier um, is invest into myself because you can't do it alone. And the other things that I did wrong, especially when it comes to production and real estate is we're always taught leads, 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 leads. And everybody's focused on more leads, more leads. And unfortunately for me, I wasn't taught to properly build a business like Shane predicated on repeat and referral. So for me, I missed out on so many deals because I was always just focused on the next deal. How can I get more? How can I get the next lead that turns into a listing? Instead of saying, I've got this incredible ecosystem of people that I have served, how do I continue to love on them? And I didn't. And I let a lot of things slip through the crack. I didn't properly leverage a CRM to manage everything. So my business was growing and I became the top producer, but it was hanging on by a thread for many years because I didn't have a foundation built. I was kind of, you know, being the type of entrepreneur that's driven and motivated, there's a catch 22 there, which is I took basically a bulldozer approach where I just said hard work and working hard is gonna get me to where I wanna be. I never worked smart and looked at creating leverage. And I think that was one of the biggest mistakes that I really learned from is saying, okay, it's okay to take two steps back to take 20 steps forward. Now I'll take full days off just to learn. Like I took last Saturday off 12 hours just to study, just to learn. And all too many people fall victim to doing what's comfortable. And I tell people this all the time. 
one of the biggest pitfalls of entrepreneurs, especially in real estate, is they stop learning when the repercussions are immediate. So if you don't learn something new like video or lead generation or prospecting or whatever, in real estate, if you don't do that today, you, nothing happens. If you don't do it next week, nothing happens. If you don't do it next month, nothing happens. But then you're broke in six months and you fail out of the industry and you go back to your nine to five with your tail between your legs, right? Because in university or college, if you don't do something or don't learn something, you get a big fat F and you're forced to do it again. So for me, what I've done, especially through that experience of going through university and you know getting the degrees, is I've taken that same mindset and artificially created repercussions so that if I don't learn this, here is the outcome and I bring it to the present so that that way I can feel it today and I'll go execute. Love that. No, that is, I mean, that that's just fantastic advice because you're right. A lot of people get, I think, especially in this day and age in the society, we're kind of trained from the beginning on a certain way of approaching life career. And it's always, what is the immediate problem? Let me go solve it. If I don't solve it, there's repercussions. We know that what those repercussions are. But I love your approach of you're thinking like, okay, these are my goals down the road. Let me bring them up to today and remind myself of what I'm working towards. And that's that's super powerful. Yeah. And you touched on leverage too. And it's like, I mean, that's the whole thing. Once you understand the whole trading time for money, but then people jump into real estate and it's like reverse leverage because, you know, a lot of these people that come in and go broke, it's you know, right? It's like, here you are, you're moving into something where you can have leverage and maybe, you know, reach those financial goals. But, you know, it just, I think like people are so trained to just clock in, clocking out, they're going to move in. You know, it, it's like, it, it, it takes a special talent and a special drive because I mean, what other business has an 88% failure rate? <laughs> you know, it's crazy. Um, so I, I guess, um, one thing I, well, I guess moving on anyway, I know that this is a big one for you, but I guess we wanted to touch on maybe who your top mentors were, kind of who you look up to. I mean, obviously just from knowing you, I, I know a couple of them, but I know that Michael and I talked about wanting to dive into maybe picking your favorite or maybe however you'd like to address that. Yeah, definitely. I think, you know, for me, I've always looked at coaching and mentorship as situational. And I think a lot of people where they go wrong is they say, okay, I'm in real estate, Here's the top coach or top coaches. I'm going to pick one of them and I'm going to stay with them forever. And I understand why they do that because there is always more to learn. But you'll also look at the majority of those people and they always hit a plateau at some certain point in time, right? None of them have become billionaires. None of them have created a nine-figure business. I don't know one of them that's created an eight-figure business, right? So there's limitations because you're learning from one avenue and one lens. So for me, what I've always done is I've gotten different coaches almost every single year for different aspects of my business where I see, okay, there's limitations because I always tell people that your income is a direct reflection of the person that you've become, the type of entrepreneur that you become. So if you're struggling to hit six figures, well, you should probably realize that it's because you haven't become a six-figure realtor. And the reason being is because you're lacking consistency, discipline, and self-integrity with following through with your promises. Well, go get a coach that is going to more so hold you accountable. Well, when you go to multiple six figures, well, you probably need to learn better systems, nurturing, repeat, referral. Well, there's probably another avenue for that. And there's always different people. So when we look at my journey, 2019, I got into Arte with Andy Frizzell and Ed Milet. 
And Arate was really great for that ongoing mindset that always kept you sharp once a week, being able to, you know, have something that just keeps you in check, keeps you with that bigger vision and helps you understand what's possible. So that's been ongoing and, and that hasn't changed. But in, you know, 2020, I ended up getting into personal branding with Gerard Adams because I realized, okay, in order to build my business to the next level, I need to build my personal brand. So I went specifically to somebody for personal branding, right? And then, you know, last year I wanted to elevate my content. So I had Vanessa Lau. So she was a big YouTuber and lean into that. And then this year I have George Bryant because I wanted to learn customer journey and how to provide a better experience to people that consume my content, partner with us at eXp or come into my ecosystem in any way, shape or form and looking at creating more leverage. So for me, it's always looking seasonally. There's not one right person or not one favorite because they've all been different kind of aspects of my business. So it's kind of apples to oranges, to pears, to bananas, right? But all of them are equally valuable, but in different lanes. So what I always encourage people to do, and this also comes down to books, right? When you look at educating yourself, it doesn't have to be paid coaching. Now, there's a lot of value in paid coaching because when you have an investment, you're more accountable, you're more likely to execute because there's some sort of pain there if you don't, financial pain, right? Whereas with books, it's a great way to get started. Where a lot of people go wrong is they say, hey, Michael, hey, Shane, hey, you know, Andy, Ed, Alex Hermosi, what's the best book? Well, don't you think somebody like Alex Hermosi that's worth upwards now of over $500 million is the books he's consuming are probably at a different level than you, right? So yeah. for me, the stuff that you need to look at is where you and, you, and this comes down to the difficult conversations that you have to have with yourself. Where are my weaknesses? Where am I going wrong? Where am I falling short? And what is the educational resource that will fill that void, right? So if you're just looking at, oh, go on YouTube and see what every other realtor recommends as a book, well, that might not be what you need to care about right now. But you're just looking at what other people are recommending because all too many people don't want to have those difficult conversations with themselves, be honest with themselves. And that's one of the biggest pitfalls of realtors is they don't want to be honest with themselves and take ownership for where they are going wrong, right? They're always blaming external forces, the market, the brokerage, the sponsor, the team leader, the whatever, and that's not the case. Every single thing is your fault, good, bad, or ugly. So when you're looking at learning, my recommendation is always to find where you need to go to get to that next level and find somebody that specializes in exactly that. And that's great advice. And I think uh, I want to kind of dig in a little bit on that tactically, Mike, like mm -hmm. you talk about different seasons. How often do you find yourself going back and evaluating your business yourself um, and, you know, asking yourself those hard questions? I do a really big deep dive every six months because yeah. what I've found just based on knowing my own business, I have sort of like a burnout span of six months. And if I keep doing the same thing without auditing what I'm doing, I start to feel a lull in my growth every six months. So I know, okay, every six months, it's time to reel it back in, audit how things are going and really like spend, I will block off two full days and I will do nothing but audit my progress. Now, I also do it religiously on a quarterly basis. I think a quarter is a really good, everybody's looked or most people have read the book 12 week year. And I like the concept of it because of the fact that it is a long enough duration to get something that moves the needle done, but it's a short enough time to be able to measure. So I audit things quarterly. I do a deep dive 
every six months. And then obviously every year you kind of look and pull things full circle. Yeah, no, that's great advice. I think that the timing of that is key because you want to have enough time to be able to actually see some results before you analyze and assess. Thanks for joining us for today's episode. Now, if you're watching on YouTube or streaming this on your podcast platform, if you could do us a favor, leave a comment down below and let us know where you're listening or watching the show from today. It greatly helps with the algorithm and helps us get reach out to more people who need or want to hear what we have to say. We greatly appreciate it. And now back to the show. Well, you know, it's interesting because when you're talking about, you know, the coaches and, you know, people you look up to, mentors, et cetera, it's interesting because for years, you know, I've known, and I don't want to start name dropping just for the sake of the fact who knows who listens to this, but the gurus, right, out there have been there forever. And some of them, you know, are timeless. They've been around forever. Like there's certain agents that go all in. Like that's, I'm this person, whatever. And I mean, some of those agents do find success, but that's like so one dimensional. Like I'm always really big on taking a little bit and it, and you don't know if it's gonna be a little bit here or a lot here or whatever, but it's, it's not just what's good about them. It's that all of us are different individuals. We all have different strengths, different personalities. We're all going after a different kind of business. And so it's important to really just like, I know what my weaknesses are. That's how I met you. That's why I'm here. And it's, and but this is how crazy it is. I'm here and have all the resources you teach and everything, but some of us still don't drink enough, right? But it's like, like I'm good about evaluating, you know, and and going and kind of finding where I need more support or want to be better. And so it's like I that's what I mentor new agents on, like just evaluate all these different people. But one thing too I want to point out is that, and I know this about your mentors, you're at such a high level that anybody you look up to that's gonna advise you on your business. They need to be actively in the practice. And that's one thing, Michael, and I, when we started this podcast, that was a big thing for us. Like we're actually producing agents, having success, learn from us, not these people that have been out of the business forever. You know, I was telling Michael yesterday, we had, you know, an agent and our, that just joined us last week and she's in our mastermind. She's like, God, in four and a half years of having this really old broker that could barely walk at Cold Oh, I don't want to say names, but at Broker X, you know, basically doing these trainings at lunch every every week didn't learn anything because they're not in practice so I, I i love that and that's one thing i wanted to give you feedback on that i agree with you i do the same thing yeah dude like i think it's it's really important to audit who you're learning information from right like there's many coaches and again you know everybody will put two and two together without saying it but you know the number one coach in the world based on real estate and, and income has never sold a house in his life and basically takes what gary v says and what his dad says puts it together and then sells it for a, a higher price right like you know that's fine but it's also like these it's also based on theory it's not based on practice and also right. it's like all these agencies out there that are like lead generation agencies for realtors i could generate leads all day every day for people but if you don't know the customer journey of what happens after an agent gets a lead you will never be able to properly advise them to get it to close and that's everybody's scapegoat is when you look at said coaches when you look at said real estate industries they're, they wipe their hands and their job is done once they just get you to the point where they can back off and now the blame is on you, right? right. Because if yep. you get those leads and you don't get them to close, that's your fault, Mr. Realtor. 
Well, that's a byproduct of a failed system, right? And that's where I think a lot of people go wrong is that they're not looking for people that are executing at the highest level, right? I want to look at you. And I think that's why we've become so successful, you know, as partners is people can see, number one, I only talk about things that I've experienced with. You won't find, you can go on my YouTube channel, you will not find one YouTube video where I'm giving cold calling advice. I'll give door knocking advice because I did it but I won't talk about cold calling because I will not talk about something based on theory. I even cold called for four months, but I didn't do it at a high enough level where I felt comfortable advising other people to do it because it didn't yield the results that I'd be comfortable with other people yielding. Right. And you also have to look at the fact that people genuinely are going to more so emotionally follow people where they could see you executing on exactly what you're talking about. Like, obviously it's great for you, Shane, as a luxury agent, if people want to get into luxury, they could see you do this, right? Like if people want to learn video, they can look and see, I've never missed a video, two videos a week for the last five years. Like I do this and we're in this society where people can go buy my program and just regurgitate it on their own channel but they haven't done it. They haven't experienced it. So how far can you really learn? Because there's always going to be a limitation there. So I think it's really important for people to audit who they're learning from and the type of information that they're consuming. And are the people that you're learning from actually practitioners or are they theorists? Right. That's huge because we're all being marketed to. It's become such a big business. We're all being marketed to. And like one analogy, because you know, Michael and I are like our whiskey tequila connoisseurs, right? So it's like, the cost of like a good whiskey or a good tequila, like, you know, like in tequila, for instance, I'm not going to start naming brands there either, but there's a certain brand that they're all big marketing. Everybody in the US, like when they're out, it's like, oh, I want this, you know, and it starts with a P and that stuff's horrible. Right. And it's like, but it's so marketed that you believe it. And that's the thing with a lot of these like coaches and gurus and everything. It's like a popularity contest if you're hearing them all. And so it's really hard, especially for newer agents, it's really hard to decipher who's good and who's not. A lot of people have a BS detector. And if you're talking, they'll just know. Like me, I want to work with people that know more than I do because you always want to be elevating you know, the people around you. And um, I hate when I go to a professional, they know less than me. That just, what the hell? you know. And so I don't want to coach like that either. You know, anyway, my take. Well, no, I mean, it's important because I think the people who have done it, they're able to talk about the nuances. And I think that's part of why, you know, today having you on, Mike, like we walk through a lot about, you know, your whole journey is because you could talk about it at a high level. But I think people appreciate it when you can put your personal story on on that when you talk about your journey from beginning to end. And Shane, you brought up tequila. But I mean, it's the same thing when I talk about whiskey on my channel, like. I could, I could be reading off the back of the bottle and the tasting notes and the flavored notes, but no, I think what people appreciate is when I can say like, Hey, you know, I taste this one thing and it's like, I'm starting out on a campfire in the forest and I end up at the, and the ocean. I know that. And the cotton candy. I'm like, yeah. who is this and guy? Like, you know, it tastes like <laughs> cotton candy to me. Like, I think people appreciate it when you can put your own, like, they, they, they love it when you can put your personal nuanced spin on things and right. that makes you more genuine and makes you more relatable what regardless of the content that you're talking about well and then you can articulate what the steps are because if you're not practice you know if you're a practitioner like you don't know what the steps are like you just talk on such a like just it's just like this there's no detail or no like how do i get from here to there you know actually and one thing i want to bring up mike because when michael and i were talking it's like obviously we know you we know like what your strengths are and what you put out like we really wanted to talk more about you know what people don't know and thing even things we want to dive deeper on and um and that was you know one of the reasons i wanted to have you on as well and you know one thing michael and i were talking about that 
um, I've been trying to get better about, and this is why the journey is important to share, is that like for people like like yourself and myself, like in what we do, like you're talking about, you know, luxury agent, real estate sales, whatever that I do, then obviously with you with your marketing, it's like it's a lot of times new agents feel like there's such a gap, right? It's like, well, yeah, but you've been doing this forever. Oh, but yeah, but you do all these multiple millions, or yeah, you sell so many houses. Like that gap, how do you mitigate that gap so that newer agents or people that want to have more success? Like, do you see what I'm saying? It's like, how can they put into practice to actually get to this point? Because I started realizing as I mentored more agents over the last couple of years, I even started realizing I caught myself because I felt bad for being like, why can't you guys do this? It's so easy, right? So it's like, then I realized like, wait a minute, but yeah, it's easy, but then trying to go back to when you started. So do you see what I'm saying? Can you kind of talk to me about how you... For sure. Yeah. I think it's it goes back to a concept that I talk about, George talks about every now and then, which is the concept of the movable middle, right? And I think what this is, is, you know, looking at a football field, for example, if you're on the one yard line, you can't see the hundred yard line. Like it's impossible for you to physically see it, but you can see the five yard line, right? And if we can get you to the five, you can see the 10. If we can get to this 10, you can start to see 20. If you get to 20, you can start to see 50. And when you're halfway there, now you can see it. So I think what happens is a lot of people are looking at the entire journey. It's like a concept that's really important to understand is making it, you know, a couple of different things is you hear everybody say, well, how would you eat an elephant? You can't swallow it. It's one bite at a time, right? Or when you see those quotes that go on around Instagram and it's like, how to make a million dollars? Well, it's this much per quarter, this much per month, this much per week. But then when you realize it's only $3,333 a day, well, now you're like, well, that seems more realistic, right? Than looking at a million dollars, right? It's too far. So I think where a lot of people need to understand is like everybody has to start somewhere. And that's the importance of documenting your journey. Um, but also helping people understand that they only need to focus on what they have control over and what they could do right now to actually get into momentum, right? Because I always tell people 100 deals is just doing one deal 100 times. Let's get the first deal right? Like it's not about getting a hundred deals. It's about getting one because if we find out how you can most quickly get one because you've tried prospecting and, and paid lead generation and organic content and network, and you've tried all these things and you look at the data knowing that what gets measured gets managed and you say, okay, here's what gave me the highest return on my time invested. Great. Well, now let's double down on that and continue to fine tune it. And if we get that one deal and we can continue to repeat that process and put systems in place, you will get there. So a lot of times it's just helping people reverse engineer that bite-sized chunk that they need to take and give people the first step, right? Because where a lot of people go wrong is they say, okay, you need to run this football field, right? Well, if you don't know what foot to put first, how are you going to run, right? So we need to just show them, hey, here's the first step and here's the second step. And then once we give them those kind of tactical steps, they can rinse and repeat that because it's all about increasing their belief system. All we need to do is get one win. And once we get one win, they're going to get addicted to that and they're going to continue to build momentum. So the moral of the story is just breaking it down into how can you give them the next step? And if we can give them the next step, then they will take action and we can fill in the voids as time goes on. That's I, I really like the analogy of looking at the football field. Like that, I love that analogy. That makes a lot of sense. So, but I mean, and then, well, we could talk all day about this topic, but then 
keeping them engaged. I know you guys are laughing because I can talk all day, but no, keep, keeping the engagement in that, like to get to that first one and to just staying engaged and not getting flustered. I mean, it just, it's, it's, it's still tough, but I love that because that's very helpful. I like the, like the middle kind of like the middle is like kind of like your goal it's like those short-term goals and i like how you're talking about breaking it all down because i yeah i mean it's kind of like you know when if you're running like a marathon or something you know you kind of you got to break it down you can't just be like oh i gotta run all those miles so yeah i love that that's a good way to look at it the important thing to to kind of talk about there shane is is that you can only do so much and people sometimes will get on calls to talk about parting with us or, or whatever the situation is. And they'll say, well, what are your expectations of me? And my response every single time is I have none. I should not want you to hit your goals more than you should want to hit them. Because if you have proper goals, then you're going to want to do anything humanly possible to hit them. If you don't want to hit your goals and you don't want to go execute on what it takes to get that first deal, then you're not bought in and your goals don't mean enough to you, right? That the analogy, which is a very harsh reality or a harsh example, if you will, not a reality that I share with people is say, okay, let's say Shane, you're, you're a father, which you are, and you're walking at the park and somebody, you know, you turn around and somebody stole your daughter and is driving away, right? Do you have, do you need somebody, do you need to call up me or Michael and say, hey guys, uh, somebody just stole my daughter. What What's the next step? What do you think I should do? You're gonna go do whatever it takes to go get your daughter back because the repercussions of not getting your daughter back is so high that you can't even stomach it, right? So when you look at me and how I view goals, like there's no option but to execute because the repercussions of not hitting it makes me sick to my stomach because they mean enough to me, right? My goals, are associated with my family, with my loved ones. And I don't want to disappoint anybody in my life, right? So the repercussions of that is is destructive and detrimental, but I've solidified that. So a lot of people, again, just don't have proper goals that mean enough to them. They create selfish goals that are all about themselves. And they're so used to disappointing themselves over and over and over again, that it becomes habitual to the point where they don't, it doesn't even phase them. So I think a lot of people, when they're looking at that first deal, they need to identify what does doing those 24 deals or those 50 deals or those 100 deals or those 10 deals mean to them? What will that do for their life? Share it with somebody, right? And that's where I think a lot of people go wrong is they can't, again, look at the repercussions of not doing it because they can't physically feel it today. It's a good point. And then when you were talking about the stealing the daughter in the park thing, that scares me because I have a daughter, obviously. But the other, and I forget who first did this, but the one that I heard over the years is, um, how badly do you want to breathe when that wise guy, you know, Eric Thomas, the, was that who that was? Yeah. 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 Okay. So that, that really hit me that, and that really actually helped even me coming back from a couple of low points in my own life. Like, how badly do you want to breathe? That's intense. Because then it's like life or death. That's like, that's taking it to a whole nother level. And that resonated with me. Um, and uh, yeah, I, so that's funny how you knew exactly what I was talking about. You know, I posted a quote this week that um, I think you can relate to. Um, you know, if people are doubting how far you can go, go so far that you can't hear them anymore. I think that really applies to, you know, even for you, all the doubters and just silencing the noise. I just, yeah. 
I love that this week. That was something that really resonated with me. Well, I've heard that many times. I think it's it's an important mindset. And I think that, again, goes back to that difference of comparing yourself versus proving to your own self, right? Comparing yourself to others versus comparing yourself to yourself of who you were yesterday, right? And that's the thing is like, I still have people saying this, that, and the other thing. It, they might not like what I do. They might not like how I approach things, but unless they are completely out of mind and unrealistic, they can't not respect what I've done because it's undeniable, right? Because the proof is there. So I think that's where it's a really good quote to have that mentality is, you know, once you get to a certain point, when they say certain things, it makes them look stupid. It's like people will say, oh, he wraps his car as purple. It's like, yeah, but are you driving a Lamborghini? Right? Who cares what color it is? You're 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 sitting there complaining in your Civic right. that he wraps his car a certain color. Like, get over yourself, right? Yeah. Or like, oh, he puts out these. Yeah, but those videos make millions of dollars, right? I still think half my videos are stupid, right? So like, cool, but I understand the power of them, right? So like, you know, what are you going to say about that? So I think it's at the end of the day, it all comes down to how you view things and the perspective that you have toward your business and the journey. Yeah, absolutely. And so, and Mike, I think we appreciate your time today. We're going to wrap up with one last question that we like to ask all our guests. If you were starting a production business today from the ground up, knowing what you already know, what would you do? Definitely. Great question. Very, very simple. Um, and I think simple scales, right? So for me, the mentality that you should have in the first year of real estate is you're willing to do whatever it takes so that when you get to the end of the year, you can look back and genuinely with your hand in your heart, say to yourself that there's not one more thing you could have done to build momentum, right? So for me, if I look at the first year, the first thing that I would do is I would try a few different things, right? Now there is organic or kind of marketing and advertising. So the concept of what I advise people is I would choose one avenue of proactive lead generation because that is going to yield more immediate business, whether it be cold calling, whether it be door knocking, it's a linear relationship. But the power of that is you can guarantee every single day you're adding new people to your database and meeting new people. It's guaranteed, right? So step number one, identify your proactive lead generation strategy. Step number two, identify your long-term or delayed gratification kind of um, organic strategy, if you will, or reactive lead generation, which is going to be content. I like to choose one short form platform for building your personal brand and getting people to know you on a deeper level and one long form platform in order to have SEO on your side to create leverage and something that is searchable. So when I looked at that, that's going to say, okay, you're now building momentum with the immediate gratification of deals. You're also building momentum simultaneously with the long-term strategy that will attract clients because it's going to be an inflection point at some point in that year, which is saying, okay, prospecting is a linear relationship, time in equals time out. Content is an exponential relationship where it's very slow for six months, three to six months. It hits an inflection point and then goes up. Well, everybody always says they want to get to the point where they have clients coming directly to them. Well, you'll never do it if you don't put in the time where you're not seeing the results on the organic content because you'll never get to the inflection point. You will hit an inflection point if you're consistent enough to the point where you can dial back the prospecting, ramp up the content, and eventually eliminate the prospecting and go all in on content. But you have to get started with both. And what you'll find, and this is really, really important for a new agent, is that communication is the number one skill set they need to have. 
I've never lost a listening to a more experienced agent than me when I was in production. And that's because I could out communicate them my, my value proposition. Well, when you look at this, this is a really cool dynamic. The more you prospect, the better you get with handling objections and communicating. That helps your videos. The more videos you put out, the better you get at delivering a clear, concise, compelling, incredible message, which helps your prospecting. So both things running in tandem really help you elevate that skill set in order to communicate at a very high level. And, and I'm going to leave it at that aside from one other thing. And that one other thing is what Shane was kind of alluding to earlier. You have to identify goals that mean enough to you. You have to identify goals that are outside of yourself, that are predicated on fulfillment, not just immediate happiness, right? Having Saying that you want to, for example, get a Lamborghini is a good goal, selfishly, and that will be a driver. But you need something more than that that's going to affect other people and share it with them so that there's some sort of accountability there. After you identify your goals, you want to reverse engineer that into quarters, and then you want to create a weekly schedule with a daily routine. If you can win today, tomorrow will take care of itself. All you need to focus on, on as a new agent is the KPIs or the needle-moving income-producing activities that you need to do on a daily basis. Agents need to care about three things. That's it. Getting clients, servicing clients, nurturing clients. Well, if you have no clients as a new agent, you don't need to care about servicing or nurturing clients. All you need to care is getting clients. Right. So where a lot of new agents go wrong is they're like, Oh my God, I need to learn everything about negotiation. I need to learn everything about the contracts. I need that's fine, but that's just a distraction from doing what you need to get a client because what you need to do to get a client sucks. It's prospecting and getting outside of your comfort zone to put out content. None of those are comfortable, right? But it's what you have to do. So as a new agent, my recommendation is focus on being productive, not being busy. Fill your calendar with time every single day for proactive lead generation, reactive lead generation, and studying the market, and also focus on your health and other aspects of your business that are going to allow you to execute at a high level and give you the energy that you need. It's very, very simple. A lot of people overcomplicate real estate. It's just doing, it's a matter of who can do the boring things for the longest and the most consistent with the highest level of integrity and intent. Yeah. No, I, I love that. That's... <laughs> Very thorough answer. I uh, I love the fact that one thing that's changed is now a video is such a thing, right? Like when I came in, it was not a thing. We had Facebook for God's sakes. <laughs> now I'm dating myself, but no, I, I love that. And man, I just, thanks so much for coming on and um, you know, spending time with us and talking and getting to know you too on a deeper level. I mean, we obviously always talk shop and talk about our strengths and everything else. It's really awesome to get to know you on a deeper level as well. And Mike, last thing, if folks want to, if our listeners want to reach out to you, connect with you, what's the best way for them to do that? Yeah, definitely. Um, and, and again, guys, it's been a pleasure being here with you. I appreciate both of you so much. And if anybody ever wants to get in touch, uh, send me a DM on Instagram um, or reply to one of my YouTube videos and we reply to every single comment. So very quick uh, to respond most times and, and we will get to every single message. So if anybody has any questions, feel free to uh, hit any of us up. Awesome. Mike, thanks so much. Really appreciate you, brother. Appreciate the time that you gave us. And uh, we'll catch you next time on the, on the next episode of the Top Producing Zone podcast.